Uh, this week, our youngest, Gracie, who's now five, she, uh, she had a little mishap while she was in the bedroom right before bedtime. She was, they were kind of picking up toys, probably getting a little rough picking up toys. But she fell, and she bumped her, her chin against the bedpost. And it, it put a little cut there on her chin and on the inside of her mouth. It was, you know, had the big cut inside her mouth as well. And we were in the living room, and we heard her yelling. As soon as she hit, she started yelling and crying and coming running to us and going, help me, help me. And, and we're like, what's going on? And she runs in, and, and Amanda won the lottery that day. She came, to, she came and jumped in Amanda's arms. And uh, that's kind of the picture I see of God in that he will hold us fast. That when we're hurting, when we need, when we need, our, need someone just to pick us up and hold us, we're never too big for God. And, and if I can say that, we can all say that, okay? If God can pick me up and hold me in his arms and hold me fast, man, what a mighty God that is. But I was, I was thinking about that while we were singing, and I was like, well, that's, that's a, a nice picture for sometimes, but there sometimes I don't want my dad holding me and cuddling me like a baby. My other two are 10, and they're, they're, they're at the stage of life now where they don't ever want to be thought of as the little kid anymore. You know what I'm finding with them? They want a dad who goes out into the adventure with them. They're the, they, they, want, they want dad to go out there and, and let them experience new things. And that song, the song we sang before that, the words were, if God is with us, then what could ever stop us? And if, you get, if God is for us, then what could stand against us? And I, I picture then on the far other end of the spectrum, sometimes God will hold me in his arms, but there are other times... He unleashes me to the adventure of what it is to be called to the life of Christ. Called to live the mission that we've been sent into in the earth. Uh, and tonight, today we're going to talk about that. As we're given this ministry of reconciliation of peacemakers. But God goes with us. He commissions us. He leads us. And he never leaves our side in the midst of battle. God can unleash warriors and he can comfort his children. And we relate to him all the same. He is that big for us. God is a mighty God. How great is our God in the midst of all that? that John, that was all, <laughs> that, I wasn't planning that. I, you you might have planned exactly how that went, but man, God really spoke to my heart and soul through that. So thank you guys. Let's, look for, let's keep looking to see what God is going to do here today. If you've got your Bible, you can go ahead and open up to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, we're continuing our study, as I mentioned earlier, called the Beatitudes, uh, how we can have the attitudes that unleash the key to the blessed life, and uh, that comes from the Beatitudes, uh, which is the opening remarks in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And uh, what we find here in this opening sermon, we begin to see the heart of Jesus, the heart of Christ, and what he's looking for in the heart of his followers, what he's looking for in us. Uh, as he introduces himself to the world in this, this earthly ministry, we see what's important to Jesus. He, he introduces us to us right here. And what we found in the Beatitudes is that this is a list of statements that builds upon itself. And so we started with the first week, which was several weeks ago, I guess about six weeks ago, we started with a blessed are the poor in spirit. And that's the starting point. It's, under, it's important for us to understand that this morning, especially if you haven't been here with us, if you're visiting with us today, if we jump right into blessed are the peacemakers, you're going to have a really difficult time with it. If you start with blessed are the peacemakers, or if you go back a week, if you try to start with blessed are the pure in heart, or blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, we're in a bad spot because we just don't have that naturally within us. 
But the way the Beatitudes work, they build one upon the other. So it starts with, blessed are the poor in spirit. Now, poor in spirit's a great thing for us to start with because we can all get there. Because all it means to be blessed are the poor in spirit is to say, I don't have what it takes to get to God. I don't have to have anything. In fact, blessed are the poor in spirit is the one who recognizes that we are spiritually bankrupt. We bring nothing to the table before God, and so we can all start there. And God starts us there, and blessed are those who mourn. We mourn because of our sinful condition. Blessed are the meek, because now we realize that God has provided salvation, and we place ourselves in humble submission to him, and from there, everything else flows. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. It's the life of a follower of Jesus. And then blessed are the merciful. Blessed are those who give mercy. We can't start there, but God creates within us. That is the fruit of a life lived after Christ. And so as we come to the end of this, it becomes more and more difficult. The stakes get higher and higher. And so for us as followers of Jesus, we come to this place where God has called us to be peacemakers, and that's where we're at today. And so in order to get there, I want us just to kind of walk back through the Beatitudes. So if we start with verse 3 in Matthew chapter 5, we'll work up to our verse for today. Matthew 5 verse 3, blessed are the poor in spirit, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the humble or the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. And then for today, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we come to you this morning. Lord, we have, we have already had an incredible opportunity to worship you to lift high your name, to recognize how big you are, how great you are. And the, the, the culmination of your greatness, of how you've revealed yourself to mankind, was revealed to us through Jesus Christ, through your only Son, who you allowed to, to, to be the Savior of the world. Lord, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the work he did leading up to the cross, God, as we celebrate Easter in just a couple of weeks. Lord, we thank you for the work, the redemptive work on the cross. And God, we thank you that you raised him up after three days so that we could have eternal life and assurance that you are victorious. God, I pray that today, Lord, as we, as we begin to understand just a, a bit more about what it is to be a peacemaker, Lord, I pray that you will challenge our hearts. Lord, I pray that you'll reveal to us maybe some areas of our life that we need to hand over to you. Lord, that, that, that we could be a more accurate reflection of who you are in the world. And God, I pray that we would walk out of here a changed people, changed into the image of God. Lord, I pray if there's someone in here today who's never trusted you as their personal Lord and Savior, God, I pray that you would reveal that need to them through the word. And God, I pray that they would, would recognize their need to respond to you and Lord, at the end of this service time, Lord, that they would, they would respond, they would walk forward and say, I want to give my life to Jesus. God, begin that work in their hearts. Lord, we love you, we thank you. We ask that you work in this time, and it's in your name that we pray. Amen. So blessed are the peacemakers. This is, a, like I said, this is a, it gets more difficult as we go. 
And for some of us, we, we, we came through some of these and like, yeah, I like that. I want that. I want to be like that. I want, I want to be pure in heart. I want to hunger and thirst for righteousness. Then we got to the blessed are those who are merciful. And we're like, well, I kind of like hanging on to stuff sometimes. I don't necessarily always want to be merciful. But that's not what God's called us to. God's called us to show mercy in our life. And, and then we got to last week, blessed are the pure in heart. And, and we begin to say, yeah, I like that, but it's going to mean it has to, I, I've got to deal with a lot of stuff. Really? Yeah. If, I, if I'm going to be pure in heart, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of junk that I allow in, right? And I know I'm not the only one. If I want to be pure in heart, I've got to come to this place where I'm opening myself up before God and say, God, cleanse me of the unrighteousness that's within me. And so then we come to this week, blessed are the peacemakers. And I'm going to tell you, there's a part of my fleshly human nature that kind of likes to fight. Some of you like that? Anybody? Am I by myself here? Some of, you, some of us just kind of like to get into it sometimes. And, and, and I will tell you this. I don't get it with my wife. We, we, we really, I'm not trying to paint a perfect picture. Our marriage isn't perfect. It's a work in progress as always. We don't like to fight over like, you know, we don't get to knock down drag outs. But we're competitive with each other. In fact, if my wife hasn't already told you, which I'm sure she probably has many of you, we're in a fantasy baseball league, which she won last year. And the year before. And one week into the season, she is far and above ahead of everybody else in the league. We are competitive. I think God, God puts within us, and, and, and that really bothers me because I'm a baseball coach. I watch baseball. I love baseball, but she does too, and that's, that's the hard thing. We have this competitive nature within us, and we like to, we like, there, there's parts of us that like conflict, and I don't want to say that all conflict is bad. And, but, but because of that, sometimes we look at this word peacemaker, and like, I don't want to be a peacemaker. I don't want to, you know, some of us, we, we think of peacemakers, we think of like you know, the hippie flower child from the 70s, you know, uh, the pacifists that, that, that move totally away from all that. And that's, that's something that we're not really attracted to. But I want you to see what this morning through, through our time in the Word, what God is actually calling us to in calling us to be peacemakers. Because I don't think that by being a peacemaker, he's calling us to a life of passivity of just letting everything go on around us and not affecting life around us. God wants his people to affect change in the world. In fact, God has placed us here. The reason he doesn't take us home the moment we're saved is because he wants us to be change agents in the world. And the change that he wants us to bring is he wants to restore peace between people and people, but more importantly, to restore peace between God and man. And we get to be proclaimers of that peace. Peacemakers. Now, what I want us to see as we, as we walk through this, and we're going to look at several scriptures that deal with this, but I want to really kind of point your attention to three principles of what it is to be a peacemaker. And if you're not convinced that you want to be a peacemaker, I want you to first step back and say, realize the Bible's telling us that we are called to be peacemakers. And so if it's just not something natural within you, Maybe that's a reflection of your heart. Maybe that's one of those things that you need to turn to God and say, God, I don't want it, but I want you to make me want it. I want to want it. And sometimes that's just what we need from God, right? We just want God to change our, heart, our desires so that they're more in line with him. So if peacemaker doesn't sound like something that's all that appealing to you, 
Get God to change it. Ask God to change it. Open yourself up to God. Lay yourself on the altar before God and say, God, if that's what you want me to be, then that's what I want to be. Is that true? If that's what God wants you to be, do you want to be that? Then let him change us. Let's not walk into the the church and say, God, here I am. This is the way you made me. This is the way I'm going to stay, and I'm going to walk out of here and be the same. Let's walk in here every time we come before the Lord and say, God, what do you want to change in me today to put me more into the image of Jesus? Make me more like Jesus when I walk back into my workplace tomorrow, when I go back into my school tomorrow, when I go back into my community or my family. I want them to see more Jesus than they did the day before. And I think if we do that, we're going to be peacemakers. All right, let's look at it. Three things. Three principles of what it is to be a peacemaker. <clears throat> the first one is, and if you're taking notes, these are three statements that you could jot down. The first one is peacemakers must first be at peace internally. Peacemakers must first be at peace internally. The reason some of us have a hard time with the concept of being a peacemaker is because we are not at peace. We have a conflict going on within us. There is a war that is waging within our hearts and souls. When we lay our heads down at night, there are battles that are taking place inside of us. And if the battle's taking place on the inside, it's always going to be difficult for us to go outside and help restore peace around us. God wants to resolve and restore this peace within us. It it really kind of takes us back to blessed are the pure in heart, remember? Last week, we talked about one one of the elements of being pure in heart is that we are clean and that God does that work of cleansing. But the other thing that we saw last week is blessed are the pure in heart is that we are single-minded. We are not double-minded about things. We're not going this way and this way. We don't have have, uh, divided allegiances. Part of being pure in heart is I am 100% behind where God wants me to go. And if I, if I recognize any part of me that is drawing me away from God that's taken me, then I give that back to God so I can be single-minded, pure in heart before the Lord. But those struggles that are internal, they make it where we can't do what God has called us to do. In, in the book of James, there's a number of verses that are, that are really instructive toward this. In James chapter 3, if, um, and we're going to jump around today, so if you want to jump with me, you can. If you just want to listen to me read the verses, we can do that as well. But James chapter 3, verse 17 and 18 says this, But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peace-loving. You get that? This isn't just me coming up with this stuff. This is what God has revealed to us in his word. The wisdom from above is first pure, then peace-loving, gentle, compliant, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering, without pretense. And then he goes on in verse 18 and says, And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who cultivate peace. And so we have this, this circular thing that's going on. If you want to be a peacemaker, you've got to deal with the internal conflict that's going on within you. You've got to find inner peace. But if you want to find inner peace, then you need to be involved in the work of peacemaking on the outside. It goes both ways. It starts with this purity of heart. It leads us to becoming peacemakers, people who are pursuing peace around us. But as we pursue peace around us, then God turns back around to us and helps divide, create this pure heart in us again. It's it's a work in progress. This is the cycle of being a Christian life. And so what happens when we stop in any area there? If we stop in our pursuit of purity, then it's going to be hard to continue to be peacemakers. 
if we stop in our pursuit of peace around us, eventually that's going to back up within us. It's a, this is a process. It's a process that is ongoing. He goes on in chapter 4, verse 1. This is the next verse. As James was writing this, he didn't have verse numbers out beside it. This is just how he continued to write. In James 4, verse 1, he says, So what is the source of the wars and the fights among you? Don't they come from your passions that wage war within you? So James is pointing it out. He says, the reason the fuss is going on here, the reason you're in this, this state that you're in is because you've got all the internal struggle going on. You've got all the junk that's welled up within you, and that's the, that's the problem. That's where you're at. And so we've got to come to this place where we deal with the conflict of end. Many of us can't do this because we're conflicted within. But then he says the solution to it. He tells us, so, so if you're here today and you're at this place where you're conflicted within, you've got the wars battling within, you're fighting this battle and you say, okay, I understand the cycle works, but how do I get it started? James tells us the answer in, in four, chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. He says, therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. See, if we want to get jump-started in this, if we want to deal with the inner conflict, the war that we're struggling with, we just submit ourselves to the Lord God himself. That's this process of daily renewal before the, before the King of kings and Lord of lords. This is being a living sacrifice. I die daily before the Lord, and as I, I do that, I submit myself to God, and in, on the the other side of the same coin is I resist the devil. I resist the flesh. I resist those evil, wicked forces that are at work around me and even sometimes within me. I begin to resist those things and God does the work of purifying my heart once again. He allows me to have this peace within and when I have the peace within, then I can pursue peace without. We've got to start on this internal battle. And so what I want to ask you today is what's the inner conflict that's sabotaging your life right now? Perhaps you just need to stop right now. Before we take another step in this message, and you just need to go before the Lord and say, God, what is the inner conflict that's sabotaging my life right now? Perhaps your next step is even in this service. Before you walk out of this building today, you're going to come before this altar and you're going to lay down that conflict, that struggle, whatever it is that's holding you back. You're going to lay that here at the altar of the Lord and allow him to purify your heart so that you can do the work that God has called you to. In order to be peacemakers, Peacemakers must first be at peace internally. Second principle I want you to see. Peacemakers are eager for unity. Peacemakers are eager for unity. As I mentioned earlier, sometimes we think of, of a peacemaker as someone who's just passive. 
And if they're just trying to be a peacemaker, they're just letting life go by them. They're letting things happen around them. And, that, and that's just, it's, it's just the way life is. And so I don't want to cause problems. I don't want to cause conflict. So I'm just going to sit back and be passive. That's not, that's not being a peacemaker. A peacemaker is someone who is active. Not passive, but active. Sometimes peacemakers even have to be aggressive. Have you ever seen soldiers go into battle for the purpose of promoting peace? Sometimes battles must be waged in order to find peace. Being a peacemaker is not a call to passivity. It's a call to aggression. And if we just sit back and say, the only way that I can be a peacemaker is just let things happen, it's not doing any good. I've heard it said that a conflict avoided is often just a conflict postponed. There are things that need to be dealt with. There are things that need to be pursued. Now, does that mean that we just fly off the handle, let our emotions lead us, guide us, and rage against whatever thing's going on out there? No, no, absolutely not. That's when we step into the flesh. That's when we make situations work. See, being a peacemaker, it's not so much about being passive versus being active or aggressive. Being a peacemaker is being intelligent about what you're doing and being guided by the God of peace who leads us to be peacemakers. When we step into the work of being a peacemaker, if we're not following God's marching orders, then we're probably out of step with where he's leading us. We've got to do what God has called us to. And so it's this, 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 this matter of, I've got to step out and do this thing. But if I do it and I don't go before the Lord, if I'm not following him every step of the way, I'm going to step into the flesh and make things worse. You see, being a peacemaker, it is someone who is going into the, into the work. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 11. This is a short one. He's talking, talking about what we're called to. And it says, let him seek peace and pursue it. Not let peace find us. We go aggressively finding peace. Go after peace. What is it? If we're just avoiding conflict, it's just going to well up. It's just going to get worse. It's going to be a struggle. Think about your life. Perhaps there's some, some war that's being waged around you. Maybe it's in your home. Maybe it's in your workplace. Maybe it's in your community. Our neighborhood, our neighborhood has a Facebook, uh, a Facebook page. Woo! I've seen fights break out on the neighborhood Facebook page over cars being parked and dogs barking too loud. It's crazy. What are some conflicts around you? that if you were living out the life that God called you to live out, that you could go and promote peace. That you could promote unity. That you could pursue unity. That you could aggressively go after and try to bring unity in the situation. I'm going to give you one more area. This is going to come home for a lot of us. We need to be called to pursue peace. Pursue unity. We need to be called, we are called to be peacemakers even within our church family. We are called to promote unity in the church family. 
Have you ever met someone that's hap- that, that feels proud of their ability to be divisive in a church? I've met some folks like that. If they're, if they're not proud of it, they sure act like they're proud of it. That's not of God. Someone that wants to come and disrupt and, and cause problems and issues in a church, that's not of God. That's the spiritual warfare that we're waging. But what we are called to as followers of Jesus is that we step into the work of sometimes messy work of bringing our church family into unity. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 3, listen here. He says, this is Paul talking, and this is important to him. He's writing this from the prison. Therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, urge you to live worthy of the calling you have received with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. And listen to what he says in verse 3, making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Paul from a prison cell, as he's writing to his church, says, you've got to work to make every effort to bring unity in the church. And that unity has to be unity that's followed behind, following behind God's Holy Spirit. You want to see a church that's out of alignment? Find a church that's con- con- that's in the midst of conflict and turmoil within. That means there's divided loyalties. That means there's divided priorities. The church that's united behind the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is out pursuing the lost, doing the work, the ministry of reconciliation. That's what we're called to. And if our passions and our pursuits are leading us to anything else as a church, then we're off track. God has called us with a great commission to go into the world and make disciples, to baptize them and teach them, all things according to what he has taught us. And he, he reminds us in that great commission that I am with you always, even to the end of the age. If you want to walk with God, walk with God on his mission. We've got to pursue unity within the body of Christ. And I'll just tell you this too. You want to know when Satan attacks the church the most? When it's guards down and when Jesus is about to do something big. That's when Satan wants to attack. And so for us as children of God, as followers of Jesus, we need to sit back and say, you know what, I'm going to fight for the the, the unity of my church, and I'm going to fight for the unity of the churches around us because ultimately we're all on the same team going the same direction, and let's do what God's called us to do. Let's forget the fusses and the fights, the things about things that don't matter, and let's just reach the lost. That's what God's called us to. Worship God and reach the lost. That's, the, that's what God has called us to. And we've got to strive for unity. We've got to strive for unity. And sometimes that's going to make, it's going to require us to be peacemakers. That we've got to do the work of being peacemakers. And when we find those seeds of discord popping up, it's all of our responsibility to bring peace in the midst of that discord. Peacemakers must first be at peace internally. Peacemakers are eager for unity. And then lastly, peacemakers, we're simply following God's example. Peacemakers are simply following God's example. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 18 and 19. Listen to what he says here. He says, everything is from God who has reconciled us to himself 
through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Then he clarifies it. He says it again in verse 19, and he makes it a little bit more clear. He says, that is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against him, and he has committed the message of reconciliation to us. If you're a child of God, you know what... You know what I know about you? God pursued peace with you. God was in pursuit of peace with you. Because before we come to know Jesus as our personal Lord and Savior, the Bible says that we are enemies of God. That's where we all start out. That's what being poor in spirit means. We recognize that my sinfulness puts me in a position as an enemy of God. We're all there. And so if you are a child of God, if you've been saved by the blood of Jesus, if you've been washed by the blood of the Lamb, you have been pursued by God. You didn't just find God. You didn't just stumble into God. It wasn't something that you worked yourself into, and I'm so smart I figured it out, and now I'm a follower of Jesus because it just makes sense. No, no, no. You are a child of God only because God pursued peace with you. Every single one of us that are children of God. And I'll tell you this, if you're not a child of God, he is pursuing peace with you right now. He's pursuing peace. He wants that relationship with you. He wants you to be set free from the bondage, the slavery of sin. He wants you to be set free from your flesh. He wants you to be, uh, to, to be united with him and have an eternity of hope that you're going to spend in glory. God has pursued peace with us. And now because of that, once we are recipients of that peace, once we are brought from the side of the enemy to now we are compatriots, now we are allies, now we are soldiers in his army, here's a better way or another way of thinking of it. Now we are his ambassadors that he sends out. We are his ambassadors that are sent out into the world to the lost folks, and we are sent out to proclaim the offer of peace that's available for everyone else. That's what the ministry of reconciliation is all about. That God has saved us. He saved us from our sins. We went from darkness into light. We went from enemies to allies. And now we are called to go out to the world and say that's available for every person that we meet. If you've never trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that offer is there for you. You don't have to be separated from God any longer. You don't have to walk in, in, in hope that you just live good enough that God's going to let you in. You can't live good enough that God lets you in. He does the work of bringing you in by Jesus. And now we are placed in the world, every single one of us. You live, you work, you know the people that you know because God's placed you there for the purpose of reconciling the world to himself. And some of us in here may even God may be in the process of getting ready to move us from one place to another. There may be missionaries in this room that God is preparing to call out to send to other parts of the world, other parts of the United States. God is preparing. He's placing his pieces on the table, getting them where he wants them to do the work of reconciliation. And so what I want to ask you, are you being obedient with where God has placed you today? with what he's called you to today, the people around you, do they recognize that you are an ambassador of God who has been promoting a message of peace? 
Or, we are, or are we more known about the things that we're against than the people we don't like? That's not what God's called us to. God's called us to promote peace through the blood of Jesus. And if you want to be Christ-like, this is profound, just get ready. If you want to be Christ-like, then you need to be like Christ and do what he did. What did Jesus do? He aggressively burst onto the scene and aggressively pursued peace with the world. He aggressively pursued you and he's aggressively using you to go out into the world to pursue peace with others. If we want to be Christ-like, the most Christ-like we can be is when we're doing the work of reconciliation. When we're bringing peace between God and man. Not bringing it, but when we're communicating it. Jesus brought it. We just get to be a spokesperson. That beatitude that blessed are the peacemakers. It tells us here that all, these, all the beatitudes, they say blessed are the blank, for they will blank. This one's cool. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Like father, like son. I'm, I'm honored when people look at my son and they say, gosh, you can't deny that boy. I feel sorry for him because he doesn't have a lot to look forward to. But, but when someone sees me through my children, I, I'm honored by that. When you're doing the thing that God has called you to do, then you begin to look like God. You begin to reflect his image, reflect who he is. When you are a peacemaker, you will be called a son of God because you look a little bit like God there. Do you want to be Christ-like? Then be like Christ and be a peacemaker. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we come to you this morning. We're thankful for your goodness and your grace and your mercy. God, I thank you for peace. God, I thank you that, that peace is not just some thing that we hope will happen in the world one day. One day there will be world peace. God, one day there will be universal peace that's brought about by you. God, I pray that, that in, the, in the meantime, Lord, Lord, that, that we would be prepared to be used by you. Lord, that we would, would be prepared to, to go out into the world to actively pursue peace, to, to, to proclaim the message of peace to a lost and dying world who needs to know that you are there for their good. God, I pray that today, Lord, that we would be willing to, to do whatever it takes to bring people toward you, to communicate your peace to them. God, I pray if there's someone in here today that right now they're considered an enemy of you, but Lord, you still love them so much you've sent your peacemaking force to get them. And God, maybe this, this, the scriptures that we read today, the message, the songs that we've sang, maybe that was your force that, that was delivering your message of peace 
to, a, to someone who's lost right here today. God, I pray that today, Lord, that they would recognize what you've done for them. You would recognize, they would recognize how good you are to them, Lord, that while they were still sinners, you died for them. God, I pray if there's someone who's lost and realizes today that they need to be reconciled to you, that as soon as we begin to sing, they'd step out from where they're at and come down forward and tell me or tell Andrew, I need to be reconciled to God. I need peace with God. Lord, there's no greater decision a person can make than to come in relationship to you. God, I pray for our, our brothers and sisters in Christ in the room today. Lord, perhaps the reason that we struggle with being peacemakers is because we're struggling with inner turmoil. God, I pray that maybe in this time this morning, Lord, you've revealed some areas of our life that we just need to hand over to you, to turn over to you. So God, I pray now that in this time of response, Lord, that maybe some folks would just get down here at the altar and, and say, God, I'm, I'm giving this over to you. I need you to deal with it. I need, this, I need you to cleanse me. I want to submit myself to you. I want to flee from the, the devil, Lord. I want to do what you've called me to do so that I can do what you've called me to do. God, I pray for whatever struggles that we're dealing with, Lord, that we would be responsive. And God, if there's something else, sometimes you move in, in mysterious ways. You're moving in the heart of someone and, and it's dealing with something that I haven't spoke of, but it's, they know that you're speaking directly to their heart. Maybe it's, a, a, maybe it's a need to be baptized. Maybe it's a need to join a church. Maybe it's a need to, to reject something else in their lives. Whatever it is, Lord, you let us do business with you right now. God, we love you. We thank you. You move in your time. It's in your name we pray. Amen.